All right. You guys, um, my name is Kelly. I am one of the pastors here at Southlands Chino and uh, so excited to be with you this morning. Um, today, as Mike has reminded us, is Pentecost Sunday. What does that mean? It means that this is the day that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon his church and the church. We even sang it this morning. And the church of Christ was born and the something, I don't remember all the words, right? Um, and, and so today what we do is we remember this and I don't know if we are that good to figure this out or that smart to figure it out, but what we are doing is we are taking a little bit of a break today from the, the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be doing a four-week sermon series um, called, will you guys just throw that slide up there, uh, called Everyone Gets to Play. And what we're going to be doing is we'll be talking about the things of the Holy Spirit, what it means for us to be a church that um, is Trinitarian, actually, not only in our but in our practice, we, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the weird uncle that we don't want to invite to the, to the party. Um, we believe that in our Trinitarian beliefs that there's a Trinitarian practice, and so we're going to dive into that for the next four weeks. And so I don't know if we just, you know, it was just providence that this happened uh, when we were our preaching calendar, but... Uh, God in his kindness seemed to align it uh, with today being Pentecost Sunday. So um, we're going to be exploring this thing of everybody gets to play. Now, why are we calling it everybody gets to play? Because, I, and I love this, I don't know if you watch uh, Ted Lasso, for any of you Ted Lasso fans out there, but I think that's kind of the, the look we were going for with this. But what I love about this graphic is that you'll notice that the stands are empty, aren't they? Um, and so the idea is that the people are not in the stands, that the people are out on the playing field. And um, that's kind of the heart of how we're going to try to encourage the sermon series, that we are all called together to participate um, as being the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. Now, I, I am a person who hates hates, hates, hates. Um, I, I avoid like street performers. You ever go down to the beach and you see, like I, I avoid street performers. Um, if someone asks me, hey, do you want to go to a magic show? I'm like, I'm out. Or a dinner theater. Nope. Why? Because I do not want the, the small chance that the magician is going to stand up here and do all these tricks and then pull me out of the crowd up to the front make me take my shirt off for some reason, I don't know, just so everyone can laugh. And I just think this is probably going to happen. I avoid that stuff like the plague. I do not want to participate in anything. I will go to the movie theater because I know nothing is required of me. I will go to, um, I know some people just went and watched a play yesterday. I will go to something like that where it is inappropriate for the people in the audience to participate. I even like... I, I don't even want to go to like a stand-up comedian because I feel this obligation that I have to laugh, you know, and then like if I'm not laughing, then it's awkward, and then I feel awkward for the comedian because, oh, this is your job. I mean, I just, I'm out. The problem is that we tend to take that understanding of this interaction and we bring it into church, don't we? So most of us here this morning, 
I bet you none of you got up this morning and thought, Kelly's going to come up front and do some like, you know, like little show. None of us thought that. And if we bring this mentality that I come to church as a spectator, then we really don't understand what it means to be the church of God. Then we really are bringing kind of a subjective, me-centered understanding when, I come, when we come into a gathering. And as we unpackage these next four weeks, don't freak out, okay? Don't, they'll be sitting here and like, he's setting us up. I want us to grow in our understanding that when we gather together as a church, that it's not this happens, this happens, and this happens, and Kelly's going to say something, and I'm going to sit there and listen, and maybe be encouraged, and then my life will be better as I go out the doors. That is not church. That's attendance. And if I can, as one of the pastors in this church, encourage you as we unpackage the truths of who the Holy Spirit is, that this would come to bear on us and our identity as a people who call themselves Southlands Chino. All right? You guys all right with that? Okay, three of us are, are behind it. I'm so, we're, go, we're starting off really well. You know, here's one of the cool things, too, is I don't know if you remember this, but in the writer of Hebrews, I think it was about four or five weeks ago, Jeff was preaching. And he was preaching particularly around this truth that the temple is no longer where the presence of God is held. The presence of God now is in his saints. You and I, as followers of Jesus who have surrendered their life to Christ, Lord and Savior, we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, right? I mean, I don't know if you grew up in church as a kid, but I remember going to Sunday school and singing all the little cute songs. One of them was this song. Know ye not, know ye not, you're the temple. Know ye not, know ye not, you're the... Am I embarrassing myself? Okay, some of us know it. Know ye not, know ye not, you're the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Okay, three of us know that one. Three of us are excited. Three of us know that song. This little song that I grew up singing was to remind me that walking into a building is not where the presence of God is, that as a Christian, I carry the presence of God with me. Now, that has implications. If I, as a Christian, carry the presence of God himself within me, which is, that should like blow my mind a bit, right? But then when I gather with other people who, who are of the same ilk, who have the presence of God with them and us, now all of a sudden the shift goes from you know, attending a meeting to participating in a meeting. The shift goes from the presence of God is like in a box to it is everywhere and it is with me. And the shift goes to what is this gonna, what's going to happen when everybody who carries the presence of God in them gets together and gathers and gathers to glorify Jesus? It has implications. So what are we going to do in this sermon series? Well, Paul, Paul's going to help us lay a bit of a foundation. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 7 through 11 this morning. And Paul is also going to confirm that church is not a spectator sport. This is what he says. And this is reading from the ESV. It says, now to each one, everyone say each one. All right. Now to each one, that means all of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Verse 8, 
To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, verse 10, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues, verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he, speaking of the Spirit, distributes them to each one, speaking of us, just as he determines. So what Paul is saying is that there is something to be understood in this, in this uh, beautiful grace given to us as a church who carry the presence of God, that there is a gift that has been given to each one of us who call ourselves part of the church, and that gift to be given is to be shared for the common good of all the church who gathers together regularly on Sundays or in community groups or in homes around dinner tables, whatever it is. And then he talks about this truth that there are um, all different kinds of gifts, right? Hey, just, just pause for a moment here, guys. There is a brand new Southlands Chinoer here in the back, little Elijah, and we just want to say congratulations to the Hansons. Awesome. I can't wait to meet him after the gathering this morning. Congratulations, guys. Um, so Paul is encouraging. Paul is telling us, hey, guys, this isn't a spectator sport. Now, before we get into the minutiae, before we get into the practical workings of this, because I, I really am hoping that this sermon series would be really practical for us. You know, like, just, I mean, I'm talking like, hey, do this, don't do this, this is weird, this isn't weird, all those kind of things. Don't bring this in here, and, and you definitely need to do this, and this is how we do it here, all of those things. I understand that I think what is helpful for us as a church is to really get a big theology of who we understand the Holy Spirit to be. So here, here's, here's why I think this is important. There was a study done, I can't remember how many years ago, but it was some years ago, where children's psychologists got kids around a um, playground. And what they did is they observed two different groups of children. Uh, this one group of children were on a playground that had a fence around the play area. This group of children were on a playground that did not have a fence. And what they observed between these two kids is that the children who had a fence, well, let me say it this way, the children who didn't have a fence, what they tended to do is because they did not know where the boundary lines were of safety. Now, this is most children. Some of us have kids that just, right? Oliver. Let's talk about Oliver for a second. But, but most of the children, what they tended to do was stay close to the play area because they weren't sure like where the boundary lines were. And they weren't sure if I was like, is this appropriate, inappropriate? Is this safe or unsafe? Now the kids who had a fence, what did these children do? They explored everywhere up to the fence. You ever drive by school and the kids are making faces on the, that's what they were doing because they knew where the boundary lines were. And what I'm hoping to do this morning is to help us understand a little bit um, of our understanding of who we believe the Holy Spirit is and his help and his working in the church specifically for us so that us Southlands Chino will not be like, mm, is this, you know, like, hey, can I, 
can I run around and dance? Or, you know, can I wave flags? You know, some of us grew up in that era. Or do I need to just, you know, kind of this kind of thing? Where are the boundary lines? So the, that's what we're going to try to do this morning. All right. That was a long intro. All right, you guys ready? So, what kind of church is Southlands Chino? What kind of church is Southlands Chino? You ever, you ever visit a church and you walk in and go, man, this church is dead, right? You're like, oh, this is, feels like a funeral in here. You ever, you ever been in a church like that? You ever, conversely, you ever walk into a church and go, what in the heck is happening in here? These people are crazy. They have lost their minds. Okay, just, just for, because confession is good for the soul and we're in safe company, anybody here ever walk out of a church gathering mid-service? One, two, three, okay, that's about 10 of us here this morning. I've done it before because I was just like, this is like strange, it's like a cult, okay? Now most of us, when we ask the question, what kind of church is this, is normally what we do is we say either a word-based church or a spirit-based church. And we go, okay, you can walk in right away and you know exactly what kind of church this is. This is a word-based only church and everybody's super serious. They look like they've been sucking on lemons all day and they take everything very completely, take themselves very seriously. Or you walk into a spirit church and you're like, these people are loosey-goosey. They just all are about their emotions and their feelings, etc., etc. And so what kind of church is Southlands Chino? We are a were it church. Yeah, were it, word and spirit, duh. Get it? Everybody say were it. That's a word, okay? Now, here's, here's what I love about us. And I have a sneaky little, like, you know, my, my like, uh, inner naughtiness. I don't know what else to say this, but I kind of like it when people come here and they can't tell. They can't figure it out. I like when people are like, mm, you know, you guys do this. But then you do this, and then, but then like you seem to like do this, but then like that doesn't make sense because if you were like that, then you wouldn't, you, you like even politics, like some days, like I'm like, well, this person does this because, that, and then you find out they're a conservative, or you find out they're more on the liberal side, and you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Well, I love the fact that we're a church that is a were it church, and people might feel a little confused, and that's why we're here this morning, to help us understand what we are. Now, I also want to say that who we are is not based on preference, okay? I know that in this room, there are people who come from Pentecostal backgrounds, right? And today was like, you, you woke up this morning because it's Pentecost Sunday, and you were like, whew, I'm feeling it, you know? Uh, something's going to happen, right? And you just couldn't wait to like, I got a secret. I know I, I can't tell. I don't know. You're just like inside. You were just waiting to burst. And then I know on the other side, there's some of us come from Presbyterian or maybe even like a Catholic background where it's like, you know, liturgical and this is the rules. And even within that, I know that some of us have preferences to be a certain way. I have my preferences, you have your preferences. But Southlands Chino will never be a church that is based on the preferences of man. 
It is a church. Yeah, that's all right. You can applaud that. It is a church that is based on the foundation of what Scripture says. Always. Are we always going to get this right? I don't know. But we're going to try our hardest, okay? That's our commitment. To understand what Scripture says with good hermeneutics, good exegesis of the Scriptures, and say, Lord, will you help us not only see what Scripture says, but will you help us to apply it and live it the way that we're supposed to as a church? Here is something that I just want to say as a statement, and I just want you to hear this statement of of being a word church, a word and spirit church, right? We are a gospel-centered, spirit-empowered church. Gospel-centered being based on the word of God, spirit-empowered being that we understand the Holy Spirit. We believe that the word of God is the foundation for all truth, meaning, understanding, and outworking of what it is to be a follower of of Jesus, the practices of the church and life of every human being. There is nothing in all of life that Scripture does not come to bear upon for all humanity. We believe that the living and active work of the Holy Spirit, including all his gifts, are essential for God's people. The activity and ongoing work of the Holy Spirit is vital for the life and ministry for the church today. We believe that the Holy Spirit empowers the people of God for all life and ministry. The Holy Spirit guides each believer according to God's word and will and lead, I'm sorry, word and will lead and, I'm sorry, I wrote this wrong, and leads us to all truth. Let me say that again so it's not confusing. The Holy Spirit guides us, guides each believer according to God's word and leads us to all truth. So, responding accordingly, we submit to all of Scripture and we eagerly desire the gifts and leading of the Holy Spirit in his church. So, we have a high view of Scripture and its foundation, and we have a high view of the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, even in saying these things, which I'm hoping most of us are like, yes, that's awesome, we still have our preferences. We still have our history of experience in a church. I am not naive enough to know, or I do know, I would say, that most of you here this morning, this is not the first church you've ever visited in your life. Most of us. Most of us have been in some kind of other church before. And so coming here, you're thinking, okay, these are my past experiences, these are my past encounters with with church, and so you bring that in here. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a little time, and I want us to look at um, these differences between what the church has historically and continues to do is separate this both being word and spirit, okay? And the reason why I want to do this is for us to help us identify in our own hearts the preferences that we keep and so that we can see what the Word of God actually has for us. Okay? You guys ready to do this with me? All right. So I have five different little graphs here this morning, and they're going to talk about this contrast between Word and Spirit, and we're going to talk about it a little bit, and we're going to examine it, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit actually to show us 
our defaults, our preferences, our biases in our hearts. So if you guys will put that first one up for me, it'd be helpful. Okay, now, I don't know if you can read that because my eyes are pretty bad. So you can read it. Okay, good for you, all you elite eye people out there. All right, let's take this. So word versus spirit, when it comes to worship time in the church, let's, let's just make this really practical. In our singing portion of when we gather on a Sunday morning, which we typically call worship. Now, we all know that worship is your whole life, but let's just apply it to the part of the singing portion that we do on a Sunday morning. If you're a word worshiper, your emphasis is on the theological, it's on biblical truth, right? Of course it is. But if you're on the spirit side, the emphasis in the singing is relational. The emphasis is on encounter with God. Now, which one of these is right? Both are, aren't they? Would any of us here this morning say, I don't want to sing about anything theological? Well, if you do, let's have a conversation afterwards, all right? I can point you to some contemporary worship bands that will help you with that. But what we, we also don't want to say, man, it's just like I don't want to have an encounter with God. I don't want to like know that God's presence is available to me and that I carry it, nor do I want any kind of interaction with God at all. I just want him to be here. No, we want both of these things. In the word side on worship, the focus is on the transcendence. If you know what transcendence is, it's the, the farness of God that he's so other than us. He's the creator of all universe and he's so much bigger than us. But in the spirit sense, we focus on the imminence, the closeness, Emmanuel, God with us. Both of these are good. Worship often tends to be on the word side more about fear and reverence, holiness of God. And then on the spirit side, joy and love. What about this one? You're concerned more if you're in a word church, there's only word church, you're concerned more with the form of the worship, aren't we? This feels appropriate. Well, in a spirit church, you're more, concer more concerned about the freedom. I didn't see anybody running around this morning with flags. Mm, they're not doing it right. And then in a word worship church, we sing about God. You're only, you're like, we should only ever sing hymns because there's deep theological truth. There is deep theological truth. And we should sing about God. But we also need to understand that we need to sing to God. I love this. I love this tension. It's like a tightrope, isn't it? You walk down a tightrope across a chasm, and what do you do to make sure you fall off on either side, you hold this big heavy pole. It has weights on each side so that the center of it is right here on the thing that you're meant to walk. And that's who we are, Southlands Chino. We're not meant to get all weird and crazy and be subjective and like, oh, this is all about how I feel. And then we're not supposed to be all dry and dead and sad and just only about truth on this side. No, what we have to do is we have to carry both these truths in tension as a church and say, this is how we walk a straight line. Okay, we're going to get in trouble here. Let's go to the next one. What about our gatherings? Well, you will notice that in a word church, Prayer is a monologue, isn't it? We only have one prayer who comes up to the front on a mic ever, and that's the only appropriate thing that he should only be or she should only be monologuing 
And in spirit church, prayer is a dialogue. I prayed, God kind of spoke to me, and there was this faith in my heart to hear him speak. And then through that faith of me hearing him speak, I then prayed some more, and then there was more of this interaction. What about reliance on natural talent? That's a good thing, isn't it? God-given gifts, your natural abilities. But in the spirit, reliance on spiritual gifts. Neither of those are wrong. The word gatherings want to embrace the ordinary. Just, let's just stay right here. The spirit gatherings embrace the supernatural. And here's a big one. Fearful of emotionalism. Anybody get burned who've been in the church for a long time through the charismatic movement? Nobody? I'm the only one? I know I did. I know when I came to Southlands Chino and I knew that God was going to establish me here as one of the lead pastor, so we will not, not have emotionalism in this church. Because I did not want us to be based on our emotions. But here's the thing. The spirit side, we're fearful of intellectualism. That was ironic, wasn't it? Bias toward traditional, historical, bias toward new and creative. Neither of these are wrong. Neither of them 100% right. Again, what we need to do is, Lord, help us hold these truths in tension. Next one. You guys all right? You guys hanging in there? All right. What about the preaching of the Word of God? Well, on the Word side, it's got to be biblically informed wisdom only. On the Spirit side, we got to be spiritually imparted discernment. So when I'm prepping for a sermon or whoever's prepping for a sermon, what do we do? We go to the commentaries. What do we do? We look at it like other sermons. What do we do? We, we say, what does the word exactly say here? But not just that. What do we do? We say, Holy Spirit, help me see what I am not seeing. Holy Spirit, show us what needs to be revealed for our church in this season at this time. Is it ever going to put on the shelf the things of, the, of Scripture? No. Never. But there has to be this, what does it say? And what are you saying? Confidence in objective principles. Yes. Confidence in inspired promptings. I'll just throw this out there. You guys, not everything I say on a Sunday is always in my notes. What? Okay, that was a joke. I'm like, I thought you guys would be like, duh. And then in the preaching, God has already spoken. We have the word of God. What else do we need? We don't need anything else. God is currently speaking on the preaching side. I love these two tensions. And I hope this is brewing in your heart. I hope you desire both of these things. See, what the the church has taught is that this is like... It's actually a false dichotomy, isn't it? It's, it's, there's like this somehow that there has to be pitted against each other. Oh, I'm a word church. And you, you spirit people, huh, if you only knew. And then the spirit people are like, we're spirit church and you word people, if you only knew. No, that's not how it's meant to be. That's what Paul wants to encourage us. That's what Southlands Chino, we need here is a both and. Okay, next one, next one. We're almost done. Discipleship. How do we make disciples of Jesus? Well, in a word-based church only, it's only the process. It's process. It's like you come to Christ, and then you go through this process. Is a process good? Yes, it is. But there has to be also events. Like, now, 
both of these have goods and both of them have bads. Let me, let me address one of the bads here. If we only ever do process, and what do I mean by that is like, okay, you came to Christ and now like you got to do one, two, three, four before you do this. And these are all helpful. You need to read your Bible. You need to do it. But if we only ever live there, we, what we're doing is excluding the suddenlies of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and making a change in a moment. So my grandmother... She was a smoker for, I think, like 50 years. She went to get prayed for, and she was a Christian. She would constantly pray and say, God, will you help me get rid of this thing? Help me get rid of this thing. She goes to an evangelist back in the 70s, 80s, a guy named Fred Price. I don't know if any of you guys remember him. He was on TV. And she goes to one of his meetings. He prays for her. Immediately, what happens? She's set free. She said she tries to smoke a cigarette again. She says it is disgusting. She cannot t- stand the taste of the cigarette in her mouth. Why did that happen in this discipleship program? Was it like, well, Mary, you know, you need to do this and this and this? Yes, you do. But also, Mary, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and bring transformation into your life. All right. Outworking of original deposit, this was put in you. It continues to like a, a ripple in a pond. But then repetitive experience of fresh power. I mean, I remember when I was younger in Christ, I just wanted to be at every single gathering, every single meeting, because I didn't know what was going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to show up. I think that's lost on us a bit. Eh, you know, I'll be there, you know. Lack of interest in the supernatural and spontaneous. Lack of interest in the natural and routine. Faith in God. Love for God. Obedience to God. Good. Intimacy with God. Just as good. Last one. You guys hanging in there? All right, let's do it. Last one. I think it's the last one. Is it the last one? Let me look at my notes. It's the last one. You're saved. Okay, all right. What is the Christian life in general under the word church? Now, here's the reality. There's potential for defeatism. What do I mean by that? Okay, um, I'm only word. I, I just, everything's here. And so I understand that this world is broken and sinful. And that actually I was born with an inherent sinful nature. And actually understanding this truth All I got to do is just grin and bear my way through the Christian life until Jesus comes back. I'm just a worm. I'm worthless. I'm a sinner. And it's only ever by God's grace that I can even see anything or taste anything nice in ice cream. You know, it's just God's grace. And so I'm I'm just holding on until Jesus comes back. Potential for triumphalism. On the spirit side, somebody's going through divorce. Their IRS is like leveraging their, their, their money, and you go, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, hallelujah, brother. I'm the head, not the tail. Okay. Neither of those are helpful. Christian life, tend to be skeptical. Well, you know, we're all just sinners, and the reason why Tom is the way he is, is he's a dirty sinner. Spirit side, Tendency to be gullible. Everything's just flowers and it's fine. And this is a big one, I think. Potential to be arrogant. Isn't that true? We know the truth. We have this all figured out. 
I mean, we see this in this camp, don't we? There's, a, there's like good truth, but there's no love. And if you don't know this, you're just potential to be sentimental. Well, it's not about the truth. It's about how earnest you are. It's not about the truth. It's about how much you really mean it or how much of a victim you are. That's how much more you mean to God. Man, what a bunch of baloney. And then on the word side, the Christian life seems to be just faith in God. And the other side would be love for God. I mean, how can either of those not be important? How can you have faith in God and not love for God? How can you have love for God and not have faith in God? And this last one we see that the word side tends to draw orthodoxy narrowly. What do I mean by that? Well, we, this is like the foul poles of what you can do with a home run. And in a word-based church, those foul poles would be like five feet across. You're never going to hit a home run. In a spirit-based church, foul poles are more like guidelines. <laughs> Everybody can hit a home run. You don't really need to have good theology. It's all about how you feel. Not helpful, is it? All right. Was that helpful for you guys this morning? Here. I want to read a quote by, I would I'd call him probably a, a, a prophet, if you will, or an apologist of our era who's no longer living, I wish he was, but this is a quote by a man named Francis Schaeffer, and he speaks into this, and the words he's going to use, he's not going to say word and spirit, he's going to use reformation and revival, okay? Reformation is going to be word, revival is going to be spirit, but this is what he's talking about. He says this, often men have acted as though one has to choose between reformation and revival. Some call for reformation, others for revival, and they tend to look at each other with suspicion. Isn't that true? But reformation and revival do not stand in contrast to one another. In fact, both words are related to the concept of restoration. Reformation speaks of a restoration to pure doctrine, revival of a restoration in the Christian's life. Reformation speaks of a return to the teachings of Scripture, revival of a life brought into proper relationship to the Holy Spirit. The great moments in church history have come when these two restorations have occurred simultaneously. There cannot be true revival unless there has been reformation, and reformation is incomplete without revival. May we be those who know the reality of both reformation and revival, word and spirit, so that this poor, dark world in which we live might have an exhibition of a portion of the church return to both pure doctrine and a spirit-filled life. And what do we say amen to that? Man, you guys, let me, let me say this. The church needs a spirit-filled church. I was I, I got I'm I, I got back on Instagram and all social media. I know, like, why did I do that? And I'm telling you, like this past week, my heart is like heavy. And and I, I do want to be a little bit like I want to just put my head in the sand and pretend like this world has not lost its mind. But I'm telling you, I I think what I'm grieving more 
is that the church is just like, oh, that's okay, you know, don't say that, or you got to say, yeah, just, I'm like, Lord, I, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm heavy, I'm grieving, I'm broken, and I think we have lost our grit. I think we have lost our bite. I think we've lost our saltiness. And, and to be honest, I don't think it's an external problem. I think it's internal. I think it's because we have so pragmatically gone through church and just said, we're just going to do what we, we know in our head will make the right decisions without this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. How in the world is the church going to shine its light and be salt into a world that needs it without the power of the Holy Spirit? It will not ever happen. Ever. Never. The church, you know what? Even internally, you and I, to live a Christian life, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole Christian life is impossible it's impossible. You ever like go through all the do's and don'ts and what Jesus says, even in the Sermon on the Mount, and you're like, okay, I'm going to really give it a go, and will you do well for five seconds a week? If you're really, really good, then what happens? This whole Christian life of following Jesus is dependent on me being empowered by the Holy Spirit to help me fulfill what I've been called to do. Even, even with one another. Love one another. Honor one another. Respect one another. Submit to one another. That's a hard one, isn't it? How can we do all these one another's without a power to do it? Without the emboldening, without the desire from, the, from God himself pouring this into our fleshly bodies saying, I will do this because I've been transformed from the inside out and now the, the things that I've been called to do are not based on me subjectively feeling powerful or not. It's now based on me being empowered by God himself to be able to do these things. We can't be the church without the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, friends, the world, not just the church, the world needs the Holy Spirit. The world needs a spirit-empowered church. You ever, have you ever won an argument with an unbeliever and they came to Christ because you're so amazing? Never! I remember, I'm going to tell you, come on. Like, I don't know, I'm about to encourage myself right now. I was, I was 16, 17, working at Olive Garden as a busser. You may have heard me tell this story. I'm in a church gathering where we're like crying out to God for people. The Holy Spirit comes upon me. And like, I have zero, like, I'm not good at this kind of stuff. But I feel like God tells me, go to your, your boss at Olive Garden right now and go tell her about Jesus. Okay. Go out, drive down Plenty Hills, right off the 60 freeway. I don't know if that Olive Garden's still there. AMC Theater's right there, as far as a busser. And I walk in, and I, I think her name was Lorena. I mean, this was a long time ago. I said, Lorena, I, 
can I sit down with you? She's like, sure. We sit down in one of those booths that where the part of the restaurant's closed off because it's, it's slower. We sit down, and I said, I was just in a church gathering right now. I don't know if you go to church. She's like, mm. you know, and I just said, I, this might sound weird, but I feel like God told me to come tell you that you need to be a Christian. <laughs> she starts crying. I'm like, and I, I just said, can I pray for you? She's like, I would really like that. I didn't really say anything amazing. <laughs> what happened? The Holy Spirit was working there. And I was just like, okay, I'll do what you want. And I was empowered by the Holy Spirit to be obedient. To, for someone to hear a message. I don't know what happened after that. I have no idea. Because I, I, I didn't work at that restaurant that much longer. But I don't know. The world needs a Spirit-empowered church. I hope you're not freaking out. And um, as your pastor, one of the pastors here, I feel, and I, and I know this is subjective, but I feel as, as, as leading the direction in this church in subjection to the Holy Spirit and Jesus the shepherd under the truth of Scripture, but I feel for us that we're a bit unbalanced. I feel... And this is probably my fault because my tendency is to lean a certain way. And so the leader goes, so do people. I understand that. And so maybe this is an encouragement for me as well. But I feel that we tend to lean a little bit heavy on the word side. And that what God's calling us to is to bring back in balance the things of the Spirit. Now, I want to I say, friends, don't freak out about that, Okay. When I, when I talk about, hey, we all participate, I'm not saying, hey, guys, let's get, get the rattlesnakes out, you know, and like, I'm not talking about any of that nonsense. You, if you know me at all, you know I do not want us to have subjective emotional experiences. I want the Spirit of God to come and have his way, but I want it to be because he came, right? But I, I, I want to encourage us, and I'm encouraging myself Kelly, hear yourself, is that I, I want to say, guys, I think we know we're okay. I think we know we're safe. I think we're a church that knows we're rooted on the word of God. That's never going to change. And I feel like God's saying, okay, now, will you trust me more? Will you come with an expectation more of, of like what I'm going to do among you? Uh, will you will you carry in your heart an expectation to participate? Maybe God will speak to you and say, "I want you to pray for this person." I don't know why, but I, I feel like God's asked me to pray for you. Is that okay? And then all of a sudden, God does something that none of us could ever do in our own strength and our own power, and it's miraculous for that moment, and it changes someone's life. And I'm asking you, Southland Chino, will you? Will you participate in that? Will you come along on that journey with me? Let me just end with this. I know I've gone long, and, and I feel like it's okay. All right, so just deal with it this morning. Um, but I, I want to give us uh, a definition this morning of what it means to be spirit-empowered, okay? I didn't write this. This was somebody smarter than me. Um, and, but I think it's very helpful. And so, 
Um, we may pause a little bit in here, but here, here's, here's the definition of being spirit-empowered. Spirit in addition to affecting regeneration and sanctification, pause, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the author and the initiator of our salvation, of our initiation into Christ and into being Christians. So let me, let me, let's just explain that a little bit more here. When we are walking our own way and doing our own thing in life, have not yet surrendered to Jesus, what happens is God in his grace and his mercy and love through circumstances, through relationships, whatever it would be, the Holy Spirit comes to our dead hearts and rebellious hearts and minds. And he breaks into our world and what he does is he takes our hearts that are like dead and cold and he regenerates them to life. And he pours himself out upon us. And that's the Holy Spirit who does that work. So that's what this means here. In addition to affecting regeneration and sanctification, sanctification is that process of us continuing to walk as followers of Jesus and becoming more holy and holy as we do it longer. So in addition to those things, the Holy Spirit also empowers believers for Christian witness and service. So when we say, hey, we want to be a spirit-empowered church, it's not just so we can get together on a Sunday and like, get goosebumps and be like, did you feel all the feels? No. It's so that we can be empowered to be witnesses and to serve. That's very important, Okay. While all genuine believers are indwelt, that's a key word, we could talk about that later, but indwelt by the Holy Spirit at conversion, the New Testament indicates the importance of an ongoing, empowering work of the Spirit subsequent to conversion as well. So what are, what are we saying here? That we believe that when the Holy Spirit comes and he regenerates our lives and we become from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and, and all of a sudden our hearts are regenerated, there's a moment where the Holy Spirit comes into our life. But that's not the only time that we encounter, so to speak, the person of the Holy Spirit as Christians. We believe in this church that there is a continual, continual infilling and indwelling of the person of the Holy Spirit for us as believers. Why do we need that continual infilling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Because we leak. All right? So you ever like pour water into your plant outside? It's hot. What happens? I just put water in there yesterday. Why is the soil all dry? Right? Because it soaked it up and some of it evaporated. And so what, you don't just go, well, I gave that wa plant water 1977. <laughs> okay? Okay. Hope you guys are doing all right. Let me, where am I doing? I'm halfway through. Being indwelt by the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit are theologically distinct experiences. The Holy Spirit desires to fill each believer, believer continually with increased power for what? For Christian life, for witness, and impart his supernatural gifts for what? For the edification of the body, that's us, and for various works of ministry in the world. Remember we just said, we need the Spirit-empowered church. The world needs a Spirit-empowered church. 
all the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church of the first century are available today, are vital for the mission of the church, and are, and are to be earnestly desired. We believe, we would call ourselves, if you, if you already know these things, we would call ourselves continuationists. We believe that what happened some 2,000 years ago that we're celebrating today, where the Holy Spirit came upon a group of people who were praying and waiting for him, he came and he poured himself out and empowered them, and the church was born, and that same Holy Spirit, God, has not changed, because he does not change, over these some 2,000 years, and he continues to offer himself to us the same way that he did some 2,000 years ago. Now, let me just caveat here for a moment. If this, if this is hard for you because you didn't grow up in this, that's okay, all right? We are stoked you're here. And we're never going to make you get up and do something weird. Never. I'm never going to be like, Zach, get up here and do something strange. Never. Okay? We're going to get to these things in a few weeks. We're going to talk about the order and how these things are all worked out and how we should do it here at Southlands Chino. But my encouragement is to us, guys, we're not just a group of people who have the same belief and get together and something maybe kind of nice happens on a Sunday. Let me, let me end by this. The Holy Spirit is not a culture. Holy Spirit is not a culture, and I know, and I have experienced what the church has called the Holy Spirit, and it's been culture, not God. My commitment to us, Mike and Jeff and Anthony, who's on vacation today, sinning. Oh, oh, sorry. Our commitment as elders in this church, is to never allow subjective weirdness for a culture's sake. It will always, only, ever rooted on the truth of Scripture. Now, if the Holy Spirit is God, and He is not some like system that the church has created so we can all get good feels, and so we can all be passionate about how we feel about things. If that is not, if the Holy Spirit is God, then we can trust Him. Yeah. Then we should lean into what He wants to call us toward and speak and highlight. He will never contradict Scripture. Never. Never. Anytime someone comes up here and says, I feel like God has said, it always has to be under the authority of Scripture. Always. He is God that we could trust him. And let me end and say, we should eagerly desire him. Yes. Yes. All right. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? <laughs>